Welcome to the Firearm Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage and pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. This episode is brought to you by Mantis X. The Mantis X is a must-have for any serious firearm instructor. The Mantis X is a high-tech, lightweight precision sensor that attaches to a gun, analyzes the shooter's movement patterns, and displays all the information in real time on a smartphone or tablet. The Mantis X gives instructors objective, data-driven feedback on things the human eye can't see so that they can coach your students more effectively. Get 10% off with code FTP10 at mantisx.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X dot com. Today, we will be discussing overcoming challenges in our students with Rick Circero. Rick is a former Army Special Operations Forces paratrooper, retired police officer, fire instructor, and canine handler. He was injured as a military contractor in Afghanistan when he encountered IED, which took his right arm and leg. After Rick attended a HAVA event, Rick became a friend of HAVA and began working with those most severely wounded at shooting and training events. This ultimately became HAVA's Learn to Shoot program, where Rick now serves as the volunteer manager and lead instructor. Rick and the LTSA team are developing training techniques curriculum programs that serve those with the most challenging physical injuries. Welcome, Rick. How are things going for you today? Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. That is, that is great Great to hear. Um, I think from an instructor standpoint, uh, we're always, every time, challenged by somebody who comes to our classes that have uh, challenges. And some of those are military veterans like you. Some of those are people that are born yeah with challenges. Some of those are people that have had, uh, you know, bad accident in life. And it's really, really important I think from an instructor standpoint to know how to overcome these challenges and at the same time doing safely so that the student can be successful overall. But before we jump into that, I think Rick, can you give everybody a kind of a high level overview of what HAVA is really about and the good work they're doing? HAVA stands for Honored American Veterans of Field, and it is an industry-driven entity to the effect of we do have some outside financial backing for our program, but the industry itself understands and, and supports us on a large scale, whether it's the, the smallest companies from, that are donating magazines and links to our program or being a benefactor from Sixth Hour and the Fiscal Contour Brace profits that come to directly towards our Learn to Shoot Again program because they understand that veterans are outdoors kinds of people, whether it's hunting, fishing, playing in the woods, or just shooting and enjoying our different aspects that fill the type of people we are. And that's what builds their business, both past, present, and future military personnel as well. And it's a great opportunity to work together as a whole team to not only support the industry, but to support our community of military personnel. And that 
me personally, I have a, a, a vested interest because I have both a son and a daughter that are active duty army. Well, thank you for your service, Rick, and also thank you for your uh, son and daughter's uh, service to this country. Uh, that's a really, really great program for what HAVA is doing for uh, people getting them out there and getting them back to their new normal, I guess you could say, uh, from that standpoint, and you know, really allowing them to enjoy life still. Can, can, you, t- can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the challenges uh, that you've seen through the HAVA program and as an instructor and some of the things that you've done to overcome those challenges for those students? Well, you know, it's, it's really a, a unique thing that we experience with, within HAVA because I myself missing an arm and a leg. I had been a senior firearms instructor for years and then I suddenly became the worst student I ever had because I knew the right way genuinely to do everything at a very high operational level. And I couldn't do it that way. I had, my stance was wrong. My grip was different. My strength was gone in my hand. And I even had to transition what was now, what is now my dominant eye. And it taught me so much. But the biggest impact is the level of you can't or you shouldn't that we teach in our society today. And when you know that list is given by a medical practitioner or a family member that, oh, I don't, I don't play guns, I don't think you guns, or I'm not comfortable with you doing that. Well, I'm glad you're not comfortable with it because you probably shouldn't be that case, but he is comfortable and wants to do it, or she is comfortable and wants to do it. And when we're able to change that dynamic from man to man, I can and I can do very well and confidently, comfortably, and safely, then we have really had success. And whether it was the blind student I had last weekend, or it was the student that I had in Texas two weeks ago who was an amputee and an orthotics user and showed up on Monday with crutches and a wheelchair and by Thursday was moving and shooting in and in a mock IDPA bay with both this caliber carbine and pistols and rolling out using cover. And I mean, it, it's just fantastic. And that's what we're able to affect on a daily basis. That is, re- that is really great because those students feeling that sense of accomplishment it, and being able to pick up something new has got to be so rewarding to them. And not to mention from an instructor standpoint, you really feel like you've accomplished something with them because they probably come there with a lot of doubts, uh, self-doubts, uh, you know, maybe, you know, like you were saying, their spouse, their parent may not even, you know, completely understand why they're doing it, but they can come back and say, hey, look, I did this. I was successful. I was safe about it. I've got something I can, you know, I've learned something and can continue uh, working with that in whatever uh, fashion I want to do it, whether it's shooting or competing or whether they're just going to go out and uh, go go hunting on their own. They can they can do that now. Well, and, and within that same dimension, the other aspect is those with without physical injuries, but maybe have some emotional challenges or they're just having a little bit of difficulty adjusting to civilian life and those around them in the civilian world are not supportive of the things of the military that they really truly enjoyed and loved and they see it as bad because maybe it scares them through some type of 
either political input or some other entity of, or just the fact that they 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 have very little experience with firearms. So they think firearms must be bad. And we're able to change that dynamic for so many folks because we get them in there, they're having a good time. And not only that is we, we can also educate the people who are close to them and bring them into the fold of understanding why that family member enjoys shooting so much because they see the light and, and it's almost the understanding of getting back on the horse after you get dumped off. And not only that, when they get to actually experience it and have success with it, now we've created that team member that says, hey, honey, uh, how about we go to the range this afternoon? I want to go shoot that new pistol we have. Or, you know, you were having a lot of fun last week. Let's go do that again today. And this is where we get that repeat success and successfully breathe success in our suit. That, that is uh, really, really good. Um, you were talking about you were dealing with a legally blind person um, uh, last week and then the uh, person coming on crutches and everything before that. How do you overcome some of those uh, limitations uh, with those students that you have? What are some of your, your, what's the secret sauce, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, the first thing is, and I, and I have to admit, myself and my instructors tend to be very disarming because when we first do our introduction, we say, hey, you know, this is the, these are the challenges we've experienced and we've overcome, and they can physically see it. There's a guy who's missing both legs below the knee. There's a guy who's missing an arm and a leg. There's a guy who, hey, he got shot and was flat on his back for months. And another guy with a broken back who should be in a wheelchair, and he moves and shakes almost as good as most people do. And that's the first thing of, okay, they have the experience. They're not speaking through theory and conjecture. The next side of that comes into, we want to know what they can do. We, we look, and in our program, we, we have found that it genuinely works that if you have one hand that has at least a couple fingers on it and one eye that works, we're going to teach you to shoot, shoot well. And we've had amazingly good success because once these students start actually doing that and developing confidence and learning incrementally, you know, we use, we use a method that is building blocks. And each building block makes the next level higher and stronger and reinforces it. And within that aspect, we're never asking them to do something that's out of their reach. We're taking what's in their reach and showing them how they can accomplish the task they want to do. Very, very nice. That's uh, a great way of describing it, build it, having the building blocks and giving, giving people just enough for them to start being successful with it and then building on top of that. Well, uh, and, and then beyond, beyond there, we establish a comfortable position for them. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that shooting instructors do is they, they drive a concept of very uncomfortable convoluted stances and grips that require increased amounts of strength and effort where we go to a position that's comfortable and accurate that they can use all day long and repeatedly without pain or 
or excessive fatigue that is going to cause them to want to shut down prematurely. And that is the next thing that we do that builds their confidence. And when they realize that when they go from that to dry fire, and when they first fire their their very beginning shots, and they all hit the paper because we've got them looking through the sights, pressing the trigger, and everything is smooth. And they're within, they're either right on the mark of where they were aiming or within an inch or two of where they were aiming. And they realize, holy cow, I can actually do this and do it effectively. And then they're all ears and we just roll from there. It, it's really a, a, an enjoyable aspect of what we get to do. That, that is, uh, is neat. And I think you were talking about that these uh, have of events are about five days long, or are they are they shorter shorter than than that? Well, it depends on facilities, resources, and, a, and availability of students. We just did a four day event in uh, Bandera, Texas, for the Center for the Intrepid from Brook Army Medical Center. That was two weeks ago, and last weekend we were in Chicago for a one day class because that's all we were available to get the facilities and the students for, but following that, they are requesting a full three-day class. Usually we'll do, if, if available, we'll do a full one-day pistol class followed by a one-day carving class, and then we combine the two to prepare them if they want to get engaged in two-gun or uh, pistol caliber carbine and IDPA or USPA say steel challenge type of event, or just to give them a better understanding of that thought of putting the, the AR-15 in the corner by their bed may not be the first option of what's the best thing for home defense firearms. And they get that whole feeling. But by the same token, we'll always go back to what all of our service members know. And regardless of their branch, they every single one of them at some point had an AR platform in their hand, and that's common knowledge. So it brings them back to what they're familiar with, and builds them up from there to where they can be be proficient with it. Absolutely, and the the real secret to what we do is camaraderie and teamwork, and the firearms are the avenue in which we get there, and. It's a fantastic building block. And even when I'm training civilians, I don't treat them like they're basic trainees. I treat them like they're a team member. So that when they come out and I say, okay, guys, I need fresh targets. And I usually will assign somebody, hey, I need you to hand out ammo or you to hang targets or you're the assistant with targets or whatever the case may be. After the first hour or so on the range, hey, these targets get pretty beat up. Don't you think we need targets? Yes. Yes, we do. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to go get the ammo ready for the next relay so everybody knows. So everybody's actively engaged and they have a level of ownership within that training class as we're going through the day. And it also builds the team mentality so they leave there with somebody else's phone number so that when they want to get out and further train on their own, they've got somebody who's knows how to coach because that's part of what we teach. And they also know somebody that they're working with that can shoot and has been taught the proper fundamentals and the proper safe handling those firearms. So 
so now they can get out there together and have a good time. I could very easily see where if somebody learned and they had success, you probably don't come back around to the same place for months or years uh, later, but having somebody else's number or, Hey, I can call up and say, Hey, I'd like to go do this next weekend. You can make a date for it and meet out there and have somebody who's got a similar experience to what you were doing. That is, uh, Absolutely. is, is really, really great. And you know, for the, for the shooter that is maybe just not confident with firearms, that makes an even better opportunity because when we introduce them to those firearms and they know that they have someone that they're comfortable with to go back to the range. They're not going to encounter somebody that's going to play their own sergeant or that's going to be unsafe and make them feel uncomfortable. They know that these people are going to do everything by the numbers the way we need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And safety is one of those things that uh, everybody's got to be concerned about when you're on the range and knowing how to uh, do it safely and also be successful about it. Um, you were saying success breeds success. And those are important factors that when we're teaching people with uh, challenges that get to keep that in mind, because some people have uh, small challenges. Some people have bigger challenges, you know, i.e. where they've lost uh, a limb or something else like that. And it, it takes a lot more to work through and figure out how can you make that person successful. But the bottom line is we've got to figure out a way of making them successful. Well, and I think that is the, the greatest challenge for a lot of our instructors. And, you know, whenever I teach other instructors, the first thing I tell them is leave your ego at the door. When you go out there and shoot demo, don't be afraid to let your demo be a little bit loose and then tighten it up in front of them. You know, as, as very proficient instructors, we always want to get a, get a good demonstration in front of our students. But sometimes when we get out in front of our students, if I put six rounds through a hole that's the size of a dime, they all look at me and go, well, I can't do that. But if I put, the first hole, maybe two or three inches from exactly where I want it. I put the next hole right next to it. And then I put four rounds through the same hole. Well, they say, oh, look at him. He dumped that first, those first couple of rounds. But boy, once he got going, look at him go. He's mm-hmm. one of us. He understands it. And, you know, we never want to present to our students that where this great rock star that never makes mistakes but by the same token we want them that's confident that we're genuinely good in our skills and that we're not a sloppy disaster for lack of a better term that is not on target and not making things happen and there, there is a fine balance to that but within that fine balance we have to use that to build our students as we approach the training and through training and that goes throughout the entire day and all the different things that we teach every time we go out yeah that's uh you know really really good and uh on podcast number nine actually uh we've actually got uh scott ready from the uh, sig arms academy talks quite a bit about it's it's good for students to see their instructors as being human and not getting up there and being some 
blazing machine that can repeat something over and over again. If you fail, it's a great learning opportunity for you to be able to go along and describe to your students about what you can do in order to do it better, do next time, or describe to them what you did did wrong. Um, in your case, you know, if you pull a shot, the first you know shot or two out out a couple inches, it gives you the opportunity to go along and say, hey, you know, I'd, I've got to get a better grip or I was, you know, working the trigger wrong and they're saying, oh, that's probably the same reason I do that. And they, they learn from your mistakes. And that's, that's a great way of uh, helping our students. Absolutely. And we actually, we work hand in hand with Sig Academy and we do a lot of our training up there for our instructor staff. And Scott is actually a, a good personal friend of mine and it. And it's an honor to work with the guys up there. As a matter of fact, uh, Eric Palmer from the Academy was with us last weekend. And Johnny Carlson will be with us on an, on an event in August. And, you know, the, the capability to work within highly trained peers, and, and the nice part of that is we don't nitpick one another, we build each other. We make one another better instructors regularly. And that is the, the nicest thing that we have within our team that is different than a lot of others. We don't, we don't believe in an ancestral level of working. We constantly are growing our team and having the resources there to, and the opportunities to go shoot with Max Michelle and Daniel Horner and Lena Finklick as well. And, and just the, the list goes on. But within that, we're doing that to always improve ourselves and always improve our performance. And I could be wrong, but I think that, that the guys from that team as well enjoy it as much as we do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be so welcome there. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they do. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity to give back. And like I said, helping students uh, achieve is what we're, why instructors are in to do in the firearm industry. And, you know, when you talk about students with challenges, their success is uh, that much more challenging and that much more rewarding when you are, uh, when they are successful and be able to hit the bullseye, when they're able to do the two gun, when they're able to do whatever they're, whatever the, they, they choose to be their uh, goal. Uh, it's very rewarding to see that uh, come about. Well, in addition to that, in our program, we also do a lot with genuine concealed carry training because we're dealing with people in wheelchairs and with crutches and canes and prosthetics and other aspects of that nature. And we want to make sure that they fully have the proper equipment that fits them to do what they need to do. And that's the other side of our program that we do. Once we actually teach them to shoot, we want to teach them how to safely carry that firearm and employ it when they are genuinely going to need it. So as it, as it applies to being a concealed carry holder, you know, most days, hey, you go to a little four-hour class, you get a concealed carry class. Well, that's well and good. But within our student basis, we do so much more beyond that, talking about firearms retention and actual access to it and understanding the importance of that. And for a, a, a perfect example is we have a lot of people in power chairs nowadays or scooters that may be part-time users of those things, and they tend to attach their personal belongings to those scooters and look for holster-type devices 
that make it possible to carry their firearm on that scooter. And unfortunately, one of the things we learn as being police officers is whenever someone who's handicapped is assaulted and and robbed, they nine times out of ten are knocked to the ground and separated from their personal items. And that is the the unfortunate aspect because when you get dumped from the bag that's on your crutch or the bag that is on your wheelchair or power chair, and that's where your firearm is, it does you no good. Or if you have it in a fanny pack and you only have one hand and it's not a fanny pack that you can open efficiently and effectively with one hand, then that's not an, a viable option for you. And that makes sense. Yep, that makes makes sense. And uh, and the and the few students I've had, um, it, it is one of those things where we talk about the off body part of it. Um, you know, when you're carrying, what which you need to understand. And even if you're doing on body carry, can you get to it safely? And you know, those are all things that when we get to the range, we uh, practice with our students. Um, unfortunately. It's not a requirement from a state concealed carry uh, permit, but it is one of those things where we always go along and encourage our students that if you want to do this responsibly and safely, you need to come back to those classes to learn how to draw from concealment and draw from unconventional places. Um, however, you're going to be however you're going to be carrying it, and uh, we we normally get pretty good response from students once they realized those kind of situations like you were talking about to where if you're separated from a bag that's carrying your, your firearm doesn't do any good or on a wheelchair. And if you're going to be drawing on somebody, you've got to have the ability to draw at the proper time for the proper circumstances to defend yourself. That's well, and within, within a lot of that and a lot of what we do, some of the resources that your listeners can go to to, to, if they're not available to come to one of the classes we do, or they don't have an instructor that has some of the specialized training we provide, that they can go to uh, the last couple of years from the Tactical Journal. We've been writing articles and instructional pieces for it, everything from basic stance and grip and trigger control to reloads and loading and clearing malfunctions with one hand. And it gives them a good reference to go to, to to build their repertoire, to understand how we do things. And not only that, is they can, they can always reach out to me. And I find myself in unique positions giving classes over the telephone, sometimes halfway across the country, because I'll get a call from an instructor that says, hey, I got this guy that's on the range. How, I read the article about you know the one-handed work, but this guy doesn't have a lot of strength. Or how do I get someone who's cross-eyed dominant or has to transition which eye they're using and things of that nature that we can do and we can really put into an effective resource. And I'm always open for other instructors and students to call me and reach out to my guys so that we can help support that regularly. I mean, that that sounds uh, really, really, really good. Um, Rick, talking about reaching out to you, if people want to find more information out, do they just uh, Google your name to get get your website, or do you have a website for HAVA and the work that you're doing? Well, there's there's a couple of different ways to get a hold of me. 
and, and NAHAVA as a whole, they can either go to the website, which is honoredveterans.org, or they can go to the Facebook page, which all they have to do is put in HAVA in the search bar, and that'll bring them directly to the webpage. It will show some of our, or the, the Facebook page rather, it'll show some of our upcoming events. It will give them an opportunity to send a, a message via Facebook to myself or directly to other entities of HAVA if they're interested in some of the other activities. And they can see some of the things that we're doing, whether it's the long-range classes or some of the competitive stuff with ICA and USPSA and, and so forth, or our work with USBCA and some of the other training opportunities that are available for them as we travel the country. And for those who are not veterans, even if you still need help, we can get you squared away and get you some resources. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I, I've actually got several students back home that are amputees or a couple of blind students. I'm not gonna turn somebody away who wants to learn, who has the drive and desire, because that's what this is all about, is getting out and doing. And the last way they can always get a hold of me is through uh, my email, which is LTSA, which stands for Learn to Shoot Again, at honorveterans.org. And just send me an email. I'll be more than happy. It may take me a couple of days. I might be traveling and teaching, but I'll always get back up with you and let me know what your needs are. And if I can't help you locally or have a, a local instructor, I have enough resources throughout the industry to connect you with one of the exceptional instructors that I associate with to get you the, the support you need. And I'll, I'll add those uh, links and emails to the uh, show notes so people can go along, download those, and find that information out uh, if, if they want to reach out to you, Rick. That's, that's really great. Thank you very much. It's an honor. And, you know, my door is always open, and it's great to maintain our association throughout the firearms industry and with USPCA in particular. And I wish I could be there this year, but I have a, another commitment I have to go and teach at. So sometimes my, my students take precedence of where I need to be. And, and it's truly a great opportunity. And I can only imagine what next year is going to bring. I completely understand, Rick, and uh, thank you for all you do, um, not just from an instructor standpoint, but uh, for what you're doing to, with the veterans, for you being a veteran, things like that. Um, it's it's good to have people like you out there make, making a difference in the world and anything we can do as uh, fire instructors uh, to make things better and to uh, help our veterans and other people with challenges, the better that is for, for the whole community as a whole. Absolutely. Well, I thank you very much, sir. See you again in the near future. Yes. Well, that about wraps things up, folks, for today. If you enjoyed today's show, we have a few uh, requests to make. First, find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Send us a message and uh, get get engaged with us there. Um, we've received several messages, and we will always respond to our uh, listeners with it. Send us an email at ftp at concealedcarry.com or write on our uh, Facebook wall and leave us a review on iTunes and Google play about what you like and what you don't like uh, receive notification and new episodes by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes, Google play or your podcast application and visit our sponsor 
Farm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and use discount code FTP for 10% off on your policy. Remember, accidents do happen and you want to be prepared in case that happens during your class. And also, tell our instructors about this podcast and the good work that Rick's doing with HAVA and how to go along and work with those challenging students. Uh, we all will have them and to be prepared is, is the proper thing to do. Remember, how you approach a student's challenge will affect how the student views that challenge. Approach it properly, and the student will succeed. And we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Be vigilant and stay safe out there. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.